If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by a Believe Podcast Network, and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thanks so much. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we're so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. So today we are talking about the blockbuster Marvel film, Shang-Chi. As of September 10th, 2021, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has grossed $145.6 million in the U.S. and Canada and $112 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $257.6 million. And that was a Labor Day weekend record. So this film, we took the kids to go see it and it was just visually stunning. We were captivated the entire time. Yeah. I want to (laughs) say, I know I hounded you about getting to see this movie because I kept hearing rumors that it was only going to be released for Labor Day weekend. I was like, can you go see this, please? I'm worried you're not going to be able to see this. Please go see this now. (laughs) We need to support this film, (laughs) you know, and I'm so glad we did worth every penny. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know it has, it has a 45 day theatrical release. And then after that, it'll be streaming on Disney plus. So once it goes on Disney plus, like William just said to me last night, he's like, I want to watch Shang-Chi again. He really loved the martial arts sequences. And there were so many different types. And he's like, mom, I really like this fighting. What is this? And I'm like, well, it's an action movie. So it's a lot of action. It's martial arts. He's like, I want to see the action again. And he just loved it. Okay. So this is what's interesting. So filming began in August of 2020 and wrapped in October of 2020. And so that's kind of a fast turnaround, but there were so many delays prior to filming because of COVID and scheduling. So I guess scheduling with Black Widow kind of pushed filming back, but all the pre-production was being done, like sets were being built and the actors were going through training and all of that. But I'm still so impressed that like actual filming. That's super impressive. They knocked that out in two months. Yeah. I mean, Marvel is a very well-oiled machine. So I'm sure that like Simu was like doing training forever. Right. And, you know, practicing all of that stuff, but the actual filming. Yeah. It said August of 2020, they started and then it wrapped in October. Yeah. I'm so impressed. And yeah, I was super blown away by this film. Their budget was 150 to 200 million and holy crap, it paid off. 
like this movie was just enchanting. Oh yeah, no, it was phenomenal and it was much needed. As I was describing this movie to one of my coworkers, us being very dedicated Marvel fans, um, he was like, okay, well, why should I go see it? And I said, I said, this movie was long overdue and timing is everything. And the way he put it was some movies have to walk so that others can run. Yes. And I could not agree more. I feel like with Black Widow, Green Lantern, the Fantastic Four movies, this movie was given a lot of obstacles, especially with COVID, the political climate. Most recently, I feel that definitely helped the fans take notice some injustices that are going down in the Marvel Universe, made the fans act and act appropriately to help support the film when it needed it it the most. Yes. Yeah, I think going directly to streaming and having a theatrical release at the same time, I I just don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair for the actors. I don't think it's fair for everyone involved in in creating the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes away from the movie experience. These movies are meant to be seen on a big screen. Now, if I would have watched Shang-Chi for the first time on my TV or even on our, you know, we have a projector and we could have watched it outside. It's still not the same because they make these films like for the surround sound, for the experience to feel like you're on that bus with him in that fight scene, like in these moments. And it really does a disservice to the viewer, everyone that was involved in making the film. So I'm really glad that they did that, you know, because it was such an experience. I just lo- absolutely loved it. Right. And with the rise of, you know, Asian hate crimes, mm-hmm. along with COVID, these are obstacles Marvel had never had to directly deal with. And to see to see the success of this film was very important. I know Marvel got a lot of flack for calling Shang-Chi an experiment With the 45-day release, a lot of fans had a very hard time receiving that information, saying this shouldn't be an experiment. This should be a well-oiled machine. You guys should know what you're doing and treat it with the respect that it deserves. And I agree. I agree. Yeah. So um, I... I'm so glad it it has done as well as it has. I look forward to the sequels that are going to come from this franchise as well. Yeah, they definitely did not drop the ball on marketing this film, which I was correct to hear. Like even my kids, like they watch, you know, little YouTube videos, like Lily will watch videos about like slime or squishies. And she's like, mom, I want to see the 10 rings movie. I was like, how do you know about that? She's like, well, I saw it on YouTube. He has these rings and he uses them and he, he fights bad guys. And, I, and she was like excited to see this movie right? because she had seen these ads. And I was like, oh, cool. She's getting on the Marvel train. And, you know, I had seen ads too, but I like kind of go looking for them just because we do this podcast and we need right. information and stuff. But like, I was psyched to see this movie too, but I just love that like her demographic was also being reached and she was excited to see this superhero film. And this is what I love about kids. They're blank slates. And if you don't, if you allow them to experience the world without like prejudice and you're not like pushing that on them, but you're like, this is an amazing superhero film. Not like there's an Asian guy fighting bad guys. You're like, no, that is a superhero who you can look up to that's doing incredible things, just like with Black Panther. Like my mm-hmm. son just thinks Black Panther is freaking awesome because he is freaking awesome. Absolutely. It's also a huge triumph. It's also a huge triumph to have these films where you see these faces where it's like predominantly Asian and they're all doing these phenomenal things. It's like our kids should be seeing that. 
They should Absolutely. be seen, like movies with predominantly black characters that are like the film is successful in and of itself due to the acting, right? Absolutely. And I want my kids to see that and not have any sort of prejudice or preconceived notions like, oh, well, they they can't carry a film because there needs to be a white person. No, there doesn't. There doesn't need to be any sort of white lead or anything. And like this movie was just, I don't even know. It just took my breath away. Yeah. And my kids want to see it again. <laughs> like, I did too. To see it? I did yeah. too. I, I left the like- theater saying I'm ready for more. Yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those movies where it is a complete experience when you watch it the first time. However, if you watch it a second time, you're going to pick up things you didn't see the first time because there is so much depth, there is so much detail, and there's so much beauty in this story that's being told that like you're going to want to watch it again and again. And that's why my son was like, when can we watch Shang-Chi again? I'm like, well, it's coming out of Disney Plus soon. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into casting. Now, as a white girl, I apologize in advance if I do not pronounce these beautiful names properly. Same. I Sorry, guys. I love that That's scene in the movie where Aquafina, she's like, he's like, Sean's character is trying to tell Katie how to pronounce his name, and she is Asian and she can't pronounce it. And she's like, Shang Chi. And he's like, Shang Chi. And he's like saying it so beautifully, and she can't right. do it. I'm like, I am like 400 times worse than her in that scene. So just as a just as a disclaimer, we are trying, but I will probably mess it up. So, so Simu Liu as Shu Shang-Chi or Sean and Aquafina played Katie. And then I believe her Chinese name in the film was Ray Wen. Correct. Which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then Manjur Zhang as Zhu Jialing. Bala Chen as Ying Li. Florian Montano as Razor Fist. Benedict Wong as Wong. Michelle Yeoh as Ying Nan, Ben Kingsley as Trevor Slattery, Tony Leung as Zhu Wenwu, Ronnie Chang as John John. Okay, so this character, John John, is played by Ronnie Chang. And so he's Zhai Ling's right-hand man and announcer at the Underground Fight Club. And so he has a special on Netflix that Matt and I watched. We were crying from laughter. He is so funny. I really hope to see him in more films because I don't think that I have reacted to a comedy special like that in a long time, like literally weeping. You can't even catch your breath because he is so funny. Like even just thinking about it now, I'm like, you have to watch it. Just like, well, I loved him on the daily show with Trevor Noah. He was, uh... I haven't seen him on that. I need to watch uh, that then. He was special correspondent for the oh Daily my Show. Gosh. For a, I bet that was hilarious. Yeah, he would um like before he got his Netflix special, he was a special correspondent. Same with Hassan Minaj. Mm-hmm. Just doing it, you know, showing up daily. Yeah, he is such a funny guy. Like his comedic timing. I'm gonna have to rewatch his comedy special again because I just love laughing that hard. So yeah, I really hope I see him in more stuff because he is so freaking funny but overall this cast like solid so solid aquafina she is very quickly becoming like one of my favorite actresses but also my kids too because they've seen her in jumanji they've heard her voice sisu and ryan the last dragon and they just like love her but she's her ability to have like the most perfect comedic timing and it's like so genuine and just so natural that you're like of course she would sing hotel california when like (laughs) somebody's about to beat her up like just to distract them like you would just think that that's what she would do and it would work she did not miss a beat no it's not that she was written beautifully because she was but her solid comedic timing makes it and i loved how she wasn't a damsel in distress 
Nope. At all. It was very much she's her own character doing her own thing, finding her own way. And I wouldn't even so much define her as a sidekick. She was part of the cast for sure. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. This means spoilers, people. We are talking about this movie in every single minute detail. So if you have not seen Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, go to your nearest theater and see it right now. So one of the first things that I notice is that there's, I don't know a lot about martial arts, but I could tell that there was a ton of different styles of martial arts in this film. And it was visually stunning. And they all seem to have their own meaning behind them. And you could really feel it like the fight scene. So there are so many different styles of martial arts in this film. And it was visually stunning. And they all seem to have a lot of meaning behind them. And you could feel it. Like the fight scene between Ying Li and Wen Wu. It was like a dance in the forest. And you could tell that they were falling in love. And just how she was meeting his aggression with like elegance and grace. And she, she beat him. It was just so magical and ethereal. I was captivated and you, and you immediately understand like, oh, this movie is going to just take me to just another world. And you're like, Mm -hmm. I am here for this. Take me there and take me there now. I thought Shang-Chi set up the Eternals beautifully. After watching the Eternals trailer, I had an idea that the movie Shang-Chi might have a role to play, but I didn't know it until I saw the movie. What made you think that? What part of this movie did you feel like set up Eternals? The monsters. So when you see Richard Madden's character like taking on a deviant monster. Got it. I was just like, oh, I've never seen these monsters before. I wonder where they come from. Yeah. And then I'm watching Shang-Chi and I'm like, that's, that's where they come from. Okay. I figured it out. Monster. (laughs) Yep. You're a bad guy. Got it. Okay. And wow, that's a good connection because that preview plays Eternals, it plays and you see Richard Madden about to get face eaten. Right. (laughs) And I didn't really, I didn't connect that because then right after that, you're watching the movie, but yeah, I didn't make that connection. I was researching Legend of the Ten Rings. And as we know, the Ten Rings is the organization that kidnapped Tony Stark in the first Iron Man movie. Mm -hmm. I was really focused on like trying to find Easter eggs from that perspective. Yeah. And what I found was the Ten Rings weren't bracelets. They were actual rings. Oh. Yeah. So a ring on each finger. And when Wu, once he got the rings, they were actual rings. And each ring has a power. And then I looked at the Eternals and there's 10 rings. 10 of them. 10 Eternals. Oh my gosh. So I'm guessing each one of the Eternals has a power that coincides with the rings. Wow. So again, lots of fun things to look forward to with the Eternals. But I'm guessing these two storylines overlap as to where the rings were initially found in China. Mm -hmm. And... I'm thinking all the Eternals will reunite in China where they oh, where okay. they were originally found in the, or where they initially landed. I love that insight. That's really cool. I'm really looking forward to the Eternals movie because I, yeah. I just know it's going to be epic and I just want to stare at Richard Madden also too. But okay, can we take a moment and talk about Simu Liu? Like this is my, he is my <sighs> new crush. Are you like- I was late to the party. I'm a fine specimen of a man. Yes, Um, I was super late to the party, but I'm here now. I see you, Simu Leo. I tip my hat to you, sir. 
like get it. I hope I, I would he... do more than tip my hat, but I would just <laughs> I would start removing things. Um for sure. He's cut he's gorgeous. So gorgeous. And then the fight scene where he's like in that um that fighting club and he like they make him take his shirt off and mm-hmm. then uh, Aquafina's character, Katie, she like looks at him and she's like, <laughs> right. Where has this been? <laughs> okay. I can appreciate this. You're just mm-hmm. like, I don't know what else is happening right now, except for that. You're not wearing a shirt and everything's perfect. And now I'm getting a little bit sweaty and I'm drooling. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna keep staring at him. It was interesting. I saw him do an interview on, it was some talk show where it's like all like a women's like morning show. I don't know which one it was. I think it was like a Canadian one. Okay. And he was saying how, you know, the perception or the, the stereotypes of Asian men in like the bedroom and their sexuality and stuff. He's like, it's such a detriment. He's like, cause when you're walking through life, like women don't want to go for the Asian man because they hear all these, those stereotypes. And he's like, let me tell you, those stereotypes are not true. And I'm like, "Hmm, somebody's got some big, you know, what energy. Okay. Like he didn't need to convince me. Like I, same, my preferences are very like broad. So I'm just like, it just depends on the person. If the person's like, got it for me, like, yeah, I agree. If it's like, if you just got it for me, it's whatever that sort of essence is. Simu, I need to see more of Simu. Same. all over the place. And I now agree. he's going to be an Avenger. And yes. this is very exciting. Absolutely. And the end credits for Shang-Chi also set up uh, the Eternals beautifully. Okay. So one of my favorite parts of this movie was when they were driving through the forest and like Morris or Trevor is translating for Morris, that little animal that <laughs> yes. doesn't have a face. Like it's like furry, a furry turkey. Like a furry turkey chicken pig or is what yeah. they, I think they called it like <laughs> yes. pig chicken. So he's like translating and Aquafina is driving. Like Ben Kingsley is just such a legend in this, in this role. Yes. And um, I was really happy to see him in this film and kind of tie up those loose ends. And like, he mentioned like the whole Mandarin thing and he kind of yeah. touched on it and be like, Oh, well it wasn't him. And now he's imprisoning me because I was, you know, impersonating him. But then they liked that I was an actor and now I do shows like once a week for them. And it was just so funny. <laughs> and like one of my favorite lines. Is, so they finally get into Talo and they're seeing all these creatures. And he's like, that's a weird horse. What's it looking at me for? But like my Lily was like, oh, that's a weird horse. Like they, my kids were cracking up at that line. <laughs> this is something that Marvel does is that there is action and there is depth and there is comedy and it is all like woven together throughout the whole film and Mm -hmm. it's just a complete experience and so it's like you have that funny moment and then they get to Talo and they meet their aunt Nan and she's telling them the history of the great protector and they're walking down this hallway and there's this wall of like beautiful wood carvings that's telling the story that she's like recounting to them and like Mm -hmm. the level of detail you're immersed in this world. And again, this goes back to why the seeing this on the, on the big screen is important because you can see the grain in the wood and like, absolutely. You have to understand like the set designers that have made this, this is, I'm like, where can I go see this in real life? This is a right. There needs to be a art. museum. Yes. Of, a Marvel museum just so we can go and like observe, praise the sets. Yeah. Can you imagine like work? getting to walk along there and have that experience and like being told that story? Like it's just, 
you know, you go from like these funny moments where they're in the car to this moment where you're just like the depth of this culture and their history and everything. It's just so beautifully displayed. And then it goes right into action and like the training sequences and Talo and also yeah. shout out to the CGI team. Like Talo was stunning. Oh man. Can we get all an those, Airbnb yeah. in Talo? Yeah. With all those creatures, with yeah. all those different kind of animals. And oh, one man. of them specifically looked Pokemon-esque, if you will. Mm-hmm. The fox with the three tails. And- oh yeah. That's called a, a Kitsu or something like that. Like my kids know all about that type of creature because it's in this game called adopt me and you can get like a Kitsu, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she knew, yeah. Like all the tails, like that is an, uh, that's Chinese lore or yeah. Like it's a, you know, legendary like animal. Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah. It's really cool. It, like it just looked the CGI was just stunning. And then also one thing that Nan was saying is that this village, this world that you're in, it does not just end here. And I'm like, do, are we going to get to go to other parts of these highly right? advanced, like civilizations that she's talking about? And she's, you know, talking about that as they're going on that walk past that wall with like mm-hmm. the wood carvings. And I'm like, can we go there? You know, so there is like a whole like universe here to explore. And I'm like, there, there better be more movies here. Oh, there um, will be. Absolutely. Do you think there's going to be romance between Sean and Katie? Because like their friendship is so solid. Like, you know, that they're best friends mm-hmm. and they'll do anything for each other. But remember when he's at Katie's house and her grandma is like, so when are you two going to get married? He's like, oh, we're just friends. Like, do you think he was questioning it that in that moment? Or do you think he really just wants to be friends? You know, because she like lays her head on his shoulder at the end when they're kind of, um, you know, they've sent off the the lanterns when they're honoring the dead and everything. And like, then he places his head on top of her head. And I'm like, hmm, is this going to be a thing or is it just a solid friendship? I'm like, where is this going to go? I don't know. No idea. It didn't cross my mind. Like I, I see what you're, you're getting at. It definitely could be something. I'd love to see them as like the superhero fighting duo just as much. Yeah. Either way it works, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like there was tiny little hints, you know, because the grandma asks the question, you know, she's noticing her friend without his shirt. And then like, right. Then she's like, lays her head on his shoulder and then he does it too. But it could just be like, it could be platonic. It could just be friendship, but it also could be more. And like, you know me, I love romance. I'm like, give me I all know. the romance, do it, do it. My devil's advocate argument is it doesn't need a love story to be successful. It's it's that much. I mean, it's plenty successful with how it's going right now. For, uh, yeah, for sure. But like, doesn't the love story just make it beautiful? I mean, you think about like Steve Rogers and it's like at the end, he's dancing with Peggy Carter and they mm-hmm. got their dance. And I'm like, but the love story, it's kind of just, it's one of those things where it, uh, I think it adds like depth to the character, like their feelings, because at the heart of this film, is this is a movie about a family mm-hmm. and how they have dealt with grief because their father was so in love with their mother. He could not figure out how to exist in this world without her. So at the heart of the story is like, there's a love story there, you know, and Correct. mother's love for her children and this legacy legacy that she left behind for them and, and how they have coped with losing their moms. So I agree with you that it doesn't need a love story to stand on its own two feet, but I love, I personally love love that element. I love romance. I'm like, give it to me (laughs) back to the CGI. When 
Shang-Chi's little, the mom says to him, you have the heart of the dragon. Take everything we've given you and make it your own. And so this part is kind of flashing back. He's in the water. His dad basically, you know, he used the 10 rings and kind of like, they basically like exploded some power towards him and shot him down to the bottom of this lake. Mm -hmm. So he's like sinking, drowning. And then does this flashback. And then he like rises up and is like riding the dragon. And it starts the beginning of like that final epic battle scene, which was like, it was very well done that like it escalated each scene at a time. We have the bus and then we have like the fight club. And then you have him like facing off with like his dad. And then it's, you know, the dragon fighting the, the bigger, the other monster. And they just built it up so beautifully. But each time you're just like, wow, that was really good. And they're like, oh, they just did something even more impressive and then more. Mm -hmm. But in this final epic scene, you finally, for me, I finally got that like, there is like specific emotions tied to each of these scenes. And as the father is passing the rings to his son, his soul is being sucked from his body by that creature. Yeah. And it's, and then he, it gives you the flashback of when Shang-Chi's a baby and a little boy and all of these things, he passes them on and you're like, oh, crap, that was heavy. They did it so beautifully where you get to kind of absorb this moment in the midst of the chaos. And it was dramatic and heartbreaking and beautiful. And man, I, I felt the emotion when, when his life was being, when his dad's life was being sucked out of him mm-hmm. I, prior to, or when they were fighting each other. And Shang-Chi could have easily taken his dad out. He chose not to. Mm-hmm. That's when the rings like found the loyalty to Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. I yep. was just like, oh, this is not going to end well for his dad. Nope. Yeah. And when he just let them drop and I was like, oh, he could have, he could have handed, you know, like kicked your butt, man. And he chose not to. Yeah. And it goes back to when they were saying that the rings could be used for like incredible good mm-hmm. or like in the beginning when they're explaining the legend or they could be used for evil. The interesting thing is it takes on the rings, take on the hue of the type of magic that it's going to be used for. Right. And it's taking on the good. And one interesting observation that my 10 year old son made, and he's like, Oh, it's fire versus water. When he was talking about the fighting okay, and, and just, um, the difference of like the color and that's kind of what he related it to. And I was like, Oh yeah, that is interesting. Like, and even, you know, Shang-Chi, his outfit is red, mm-hmm. just kind of that the um, symbolism. Yeah. And it color symbolism. <laughs> like my 10 year old yeah. caught it, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I am interested how they're going to, cause like similar to the infinity stones, mm-hmm. each ring has a trait. Yeah on what it possesses, which they'll tie into Eternals. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious how they're going to show that in the sequel to Shang-Chi and what each, yeah, what each ring means to, to Shang-Chi. Oh, so. I love this. I, I mean, I just, I'm very excited for this story to unfold, mm-hmm. getting to start this journey from the beginning of his origins, kind of how we got to with like Captain America. To me, this is yes. Like, we're getting to see this. We're gonna watch this story for a long time. And I'm very, very, very excited. So his sister begins to get pulled away by the crazy dragon. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm not leaving you again. In that moment, I thought he was gonna lose his sister too. Yeah. I thought he was gonna let go and he didn't. And then 
you know, Katie. Aqu- yeah, Aquafina to the rescue. Man. Yeah, Katie with the neck shot. That was epic. Yeah. And then just the way that he like defeated the beast with the rings. That mm-hmm. was epic. <laughs> you see like pieces of the beast like flying everywhere. Right. That's probably one of the most epic scenes in a movie I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. Next to Thanos dissolving or or Voldemort dissolving. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. There was just something. The scale of this was just so big. I love, I love like Asian mythology mm-hmm. and I kind of like always have. So to see like the dragons fighting on the shores of this beautiful village and just the artistry of like, you know, martial arts, like I'm obsessed with all of that. Mm-hmm. Like when Raya and the last dragon came out and you're getting to see these flying dragons and just the mythology, like that is like one of my favorite like types of fandom. So I do have to say, like, I was kind of bummed that his sister went to the dark side after he said, oh no, my sister's going to go and shut down the organization that my, you know, father like set up as an evil empire. And I was like, yay, we're all team good side here. I guess it creates some sort of a balance knowing that his sister isn't like she's going to be the new big bad for the 10 rings organization. You don't have the 10 rings, but you're going to run the organization. I want to see how you plan on doing this, you know, and go from there. Does that make sense? What scene was that? It was a post-credit scene. Did you not stay till the end of the credits? I did. And then we saw when Wong came through the circle. Yeah. Th- and then at the very end. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. So she yeah, we like stayed and then the credits and that went away. And then they, that whole thing happened, but I didn't see that. Was so there two? There was two. Oh crap. No, I didn't see the second one. Oh yeah. So it was at the very, very end. Okay. His sister is taking over her dad's empire for the 10 rings. And I was like, how are you going to make this work when you don't have the rings? How are you going to keep this from your brother? What is your plan? Slash Shang-Chi 2. <laughs> Legend on how to get the rings back. What am I missing here? Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did say that I was never invited into my father's empire. So I wanted to create my own. Mm-hmm. And that's how they. This character is like, well, more power to She's like, I can respect that. Mm-hmm. But she was taking it a lot more seriously, obviously, than. And that's the quote that she ended it with. Yeah. What did she say? I always wanted to run my dad's empire. Wow. Yeah. It was just, it was very symbolic. She made it very similar to the fight club in Macau. Mm -hmm. Like it was very urban, you know, Asian artwork everywhere. It was very cool. You know, what's interesting is when they're doing that final battle scene and or before that, when Nan gives them their clothing that mm-hmm. their mom wanted prepared for them, Jailene, hers was like gray and black mm-hmm. and um, Shang-Chi, his was red. And I'm like, why would they kind of make her look like one of the bad guys when everybody's in red? Mm-hmm. Everyone is in red Yeah, on that side. And then she stands out when Wu and all the 10 rings guys that he has, all his guys are all in black. And she's like gray. The gray. And I just between. kept thinking, I'm like, why would they make her look like sh- she's not on any side? Like she's neutral until like the very end. Like uh, she's not on either of their side. She's on her own side. Yeah. But there was that moment where she's like, just let me go. And she would have gone. She would have been fine. You know, and I think there's a lot, probably a lot of unresolved grief there. She's had to be alone since, mm-hmm. you know, she was a little girl, you know, yeah, like super tiny, have mm-hmm. no one to talk to or anything. So she's, you know, has a lot of stuff to kind of resolve there, but wow, I'm going to have to go back and see that end credit scene. Cause I saw the first end credit scene, not the second one. 
Right. You might be able to find it online. I don't know. I am glad that some of the original Avengers like helped explain what's in one of the rings. You saw the flashing like beacon Mm -hmm. in the ring, Mm -hmm. which I took as like a sounding alarm to the deviant monsters and Eternals. We're going to get the Eternals cast and explain their whole story. But I loved how Banner and Captain Marvel were just like, yeah, that's new. We we don't know where that's coming from. Oh, we're going to find out. Okay. Welcome yeah. to the team, kid. <laughs> and they can't tell like what it's, what they're made out of. They don't know. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. I loved after that battle, how they, the tradition of like honoring the dead oh, and yeah. making it a it was, it's like a beautiful ceremony and Mm -hmm. a send off and honoring like their sacrifice. And I think there's just something so beautiful and cathartic about, you know, their community, their whole village coming together to Mm -hmm. honor that. And I'm like, man, that is, that is the way to do grief right there. Yeah. And it's kind of, it was such a stark contrast to how Shang-Chi, his immediate family, that was not how they handled the grief. Right. They didn't, it wasn't really addressed. And in that way, it was like, okay, well now I'm going to teach you how to murder all the people that were responsible for killing your mom versus closure. And then it's versus closure. And it was just tied everything up so beautifully. Like, here's how you do that. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, he's sitting with Katie and it's like that moment that they have together to kind of just digest this and just let it be there, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it goes to that scene where they're like debriefing their friends that that married couple yes. in the bar and they're like and so and then yeah I totally just like shot the arrow and I was barely ready and he's like yeah and then my dad was there and he's like this psychotic guy and they're just like going it's just on so funny it's like that comedy that's like you know joy and sadness can overlap they can intertwine they can coexist mm-hmm. and it was just it was just perfect and it then, was and then like Wong shows up and he's like you guys gotta come with me and they're just like, their friends are staring at them like, um, okay. And then I love how like, um, you know, Sean and Katie, he like puts out his arm and then she like links arms with him and they're just like buddies. Yeah. And like their friendship is just so close. And I love that, like they needed her too. And I feel like her role is going to be, you know, more prominent with like each film. Cause if you think about it, you know, Steve and Bucky, yeah. when I first saw that film, I didn't think anything like Bucky was going to be anything. He almost mm-hmm. forgot his character until I started watching the Marvel films in order. I'm like, oh yeah. And then he became like Winter Soldier. Not to say that she's going to become evil Winter, Winter Soldier, but like she could- A prominent character nonetheless. Become a prominent character, even if she is just like the best friend. Although her role in this was definitely, you did not feel like she was on the sidelines. Like she was right. like driving the car, she's driving the bus. Yeah, he's like beating people up, but like she gets her moments mm-hmm. of glory. Even more so like- if we're comparing them to like Steve and Bucky, like Bucky didn't get nearly as much. So I'm like, if they're not going to do something, you know, substantial with her, I'm going to be like very disappointed, but Same. I, you know, I think they really set it up because she's, they're like, she needs to come too. good. Cause I yes. need her there. Right. But yeah. And then, and then they're like, oh, we could go to bed because we're tired. And they're like, or and then they go yes. and they're like, karaoke and like Wong's there and they're singing hotel California. I'm like, wow. They really like brought everything full circle. I'm like, perfect perfection. This week's spotlight of the week goes out to Reggie Arnold photography. This husband and wife team currently serves the Inland Empire, OC and LA areas in Southern California and is here for all of your wedding and special event needs. Reggie Arnold Photography also does family and maternity sessions. And with the holidays upon us, I highly recommend you book them now. 
I personally have worked with Reggie and his wife, Angelica. They're phenomenal with kids. They're great in photo sessions with families. I can't tell you how like the guest service that these two give, let alone as a team, they're phenomenal. I highly recommend them. So if you get a chance to book a session, do it and give them a great Yelp review because they're phenomenal. Did you used to work with them at Disney? I did. So they have like that Disney professionalism. They really do have that Disney touch, um, the Disney guest service from start to finish. Just great kind folks who want to make sure that you guys get everything that you want on your special day. For Um, sure. And it's kind of nice having a team too, I think, because you can get, especially at a wedding, you can get two different shots simultaneously. And I feel like that just adds so much extra. When I got married, we had one photographer and there was just a lot of shots that I felt like were missed. So there's just something so nice about having a team that knows how to work together to really give you that, you know, all of the, you know, snapshots of your like special moments. If you ever, if you are in the market for a wedding photographer, I would highly recommend making sure that they have a second and knowing that Reggie and Angelica just actively work together left and right. You should never have a wedding photographer without a second shooter for sure. So, and even like a special events too. So didn't you say they have like a super fun slogan? They do. They do. It's we are a husband and wife team that aims to capture your special moments from every angle. Love it. Right in the feels guys. Yeah. Love it. Find their work on their Instagram, which is at Reggie Arnold's photography, as well as their website, Reggie Arnold's photography.com. So we are so excited to have launched our Etsy store that has a variety of custom-made digital downloads designed by yours truly. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions. So give us a follow on Instagram at the fangirls podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community <laughs> page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time, folks. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Marvel, Shang-Chi, the Fandom app, Fandom.com, Disney, Disney Plus, and that should do it. I would really like to be affiliated with Simu. We would love- With no shirt. (laughs) Right. We would love to do that. Very Uh, closely affiliated with him. I would love (laughs) to be. I am not, but I would love to be. (laughs) Just really big fans. (laughs) There you have it. Really big. Really big fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.